Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. You all know who've been listening for years to this show that if I do four welcomes, that means I have four guests today. If you want to help make the world a better place, then it's time to run and drive with the Game Changers. And this is the right place because this is where the best run and the best drive. Let me start out with our opening buzz quote. I have a comment here in an article from the wharton.upenn.edu, an article on the U.S. auto industry in 2019, and it's talking about one of their professors. So let me read this soundbite, and then we'll talk about our topic today. Very exciting show I have for you, I promise. Wharton management professor John Paul McDuffie believes the auto industry is dealing with a broader range of issues than he has encountered in the many years he has studied the industry. So it's from the perspective of... Professor McDuffie. This was January 2019. It's October now and it stays the same. Automotive companies, that's what we're talking about, must continue to sharpen their core competencies. What do they do? Well, they make cars or parts of cars and things related to that. But they also need to increase the pace of innovation. What's the point of all this? Hey, they got to remain profitable in order to stay in business, but they're also dealing with what we're calling the new mobility ecosystem. It's here, it's already starting, but it is propelling into the future, and they have to be there if they want to stay alive. So I have four experts today coming to us live from a very exciting event. It's SAP's annual Best Practices for Automotive Conference. And if you want to follow the action, excuse me, you're on Twitter, it's hashtag BP, the number four auto, and they also have that handle, BP, the numeral four auto. So the conference, I believe they're in, in, I don't know where they are, Detroit, Las Vegas, we're going to find out in a minute. Somebody will tell me. We're talking to four experts from a couple of different companies, their perspectives on the initiatives that are already starting and the intelligent technologies. And you know, we talk about intelligent technologies all the time on Game Changers Radio. You'll be familiar with them when we get to them. That forward-looking companies in the industry are implementing. They need to optimize their processes today. That is a given. Today, you got to work better, faster, smarter, more efficiently, more cost-effectively. But they also need to navigate uncertainty. How do you prepare for uncertainty? Well, that's the question on the table today because the ecosystem includes the future of transportation and mobility. Our panel of experts, let me tell you who they are. We have Bill Newman at SAP. Welcome back, Bill. He's regular on the show for many years now. Mike, thrilled to have you back. Clint Crook. Clint is at Accenture. Mike is at Capgemini. And Lars Olson at SAP. Clint Crook at Accenture is new to the show. Lars Olson at SAP is new. And we're going to be talking about the Automotive Enterprise's Intelligent Future, Keywords, intelligent and future, optimize for today, innovate for tomorrow. So welcome to my four panelists. I'm going to have you correctly introduce yourselves and tell us who you are, what you're doing at BP for Auto, and what your perspective is. Just a quick overview on what's happening in the industry and how you think it's going. So Bill Newman, you're up first at SAP. Talk to me. Hey, good morning, Bonnie, and a belated happy birthday for those of us who uh, track you on social media. Oh, you had a great day you're yesterday. so sweet. 
I did. I saw Craig Ferguson live at the Carolina Theater last night. He did almost two hours of stand-up without a break, without a sip of water, without a note card, without a teleprompter. He just went for almost two hours, Bill. It was unreal. So thank you. I had a great birthday. Very, very kind of you to mention that. So go ahead, Bill. Tell us. Remind us who you are. Glad to hear. So uh, Bill Newman here. Um, I'm the uh, industry executive advisor for automotive in North America for SAP as a part of our uh, advisory practice in industry. And I'm, I'm sitting here at uh, Best Practices for Automotive. It's at the MGM Grand Detroit again, back, back again after a, a one-year hiatus. And uh, it's a good group, and um, we're seeing some really great, uh, interesting conversations um, all the different topics from how to engage, you know, the different changes in the automotive industry, as you were referring to, Bonnie, and in terms of uh, how, do you, how do you transform and how do you move that through and how do you monetize those transformations to um, topics uh, like strategic agility. We had Kathy Pearson from um, uh, the Leonard uh, Davis Institute of Health Economics yesterday, and then uh, today we're getting more into the future of work and how all these disruptions are changing the workplace, specific to automotive. So it's uh, those are just that's just a smattering of the uh, keynotes that we've been having here, and it's been uh, just been a really great uh, uh, event so far with uh, with with good attendance and uh, lots of uh, compelling conversations and. Excellent uh, partner demonstrations. So uh, greetings from the D. Thank you. And tell me something, Bill. What's the most exciting thing you've seen or heard so far at BP for Auto? Uh, you know, I, I and we'll get into it in this show, mm-hmm. Bonnie. I think it's really it's going to be the, the 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 embedding technologies and and the uh, the cognitive sciences, many different kinds of cognitive sciences that are not only making how we do our work with 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 software. Uh, more interactive, but also in terms of being much more highly effective and and being allowing, um, as as I as I um, as I've coined the expression from one of the recent uh, ThinkX programs, you know, while AI is eating software, um, mm-hmm. there's always going to be a net benefit to us automating some of those tasks, and we're beginning to see some of those examples played out in real life demonstrations both for for business systems as well as for um, how we actually go about building vehicles so it's um, it's pretty cool stuff it's an exciting time for the industry thank you it sure is and I am going to keep my car bill we've talked about that often Mike Lakovic at Cap Gemini I have it right why don't you tell us remind us refresh us it's been a while since you've been on with me Mike welcome back and tell us who you are well, good morning, Bonnie. I am glad to be back, and uh, thanks for the opportunity here to talk mm-hmm. to our audience. Uh, so I am uh, from Capgemini. I run our automotive uh, supplier practice for all of North America. So I am the proud uh, proud steward of a number of Tier 1 and Tier 2 automotive suppliers that really are, uh, for myself and, of course, Capgemini, a big part of the transformation we're seeing in the industry Historically, the OE has taken on such a burden of shaping vehicles, shaping products, and we're really seeing uh, our our supplier base take on a lot of that responsibility, a lot more R&D investment, a lot more innovation, uh, trying to differentiate their own products and trying to figure out, you know, the complexity of this entire environment. And so I think for all of us, it's very exciting to see how each company is approaching uh, this change that we're talking about today uh, in terms of both, you know, their products, 
how I infuse data and sensor data, communication sense uh, in, into the product, as well as then what to do with it. So on you know, the back end, you've got all the data coming in and how do I interrogate that and make effective use of it? How do I incorporate the notion of autonomous and, and computer-based thinking into all that we do? Uh, and, and I just find it to be a dynamic and, and I love the quote from our, our, our professor in terms of the volume of change. It is multifaceted, mm-hmm. it is global, it, there are financial considerations that have to be, uh, you know, considered, and it is. Uh, I, as a student of the industry, it's just wonderful to see how each company is really trying to figure out uh, their algorithm for how they continue to be successful, where they fit into the industry, and I think it forces us to really introspect on, you know, what is our company, what is our differentiator. Exciting time for everyone. Very much indeed, and and we are going to, as I alluded to with Bill a second ago, Mike, we're going to find out who is still going to be driving their own car in the next five years because everybody, when you talk about future of cars, people think, I have a car, I will have a car, I won't have a car. What does the industry have to do with that? What is this innovating for tomorrow? What will you all be innovating that will affect us and our mobility on the consumer level? So we'll talk about that later. Mike, so happy to have you back. And now let's go to one of our newcomers. We have Clint Crook at Accenture. Clint, welcome. First timer on Game Changers Radio. We're yes. thrilled to have you. So talk to me. Tell us, everybody, tell everybody yeah. what you do and what you what your thoughts yeah. are on BP for Auto. Go ahead. Uh, I appreciate the uh, the forum and the opportunity to uh, to speak with you guys as well as our audience today, uh, Bonnie and Bill and Mike and, and others on the line listening. Um, it's an exciting time, as Mike mentioned, um, and I think Bill mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show. And really, we're all um, really happy and excited to be a part of it as the, our industry that we know and love changes for the better. Um, and uh, so uh, what I do in, in this industry is I work for Accenture as a um, director for automotive, uh, everything manufacturing, automotive. And so it is, uh, it's a great time to, to be a part of it and to really kind of uh, uh, analogize or metaphorically kind of discuss or think about what um, our industry is going through is takes me to a, um, a Mercedes-Benz commercial that's running you know, throughout the different sports uh, um, events where the car is traveling down the road and there's a group of engineers with helicopters and everything else kind of changing the way the body looked from a uh, previous version to how it should look um, for the new. And that's one of the things that we do at Accenture is we prepare companies for the new. Um, and we can't wait for um, kind of all the different things to take shape that we're working on. Um, and so to kind of finish the analogy with the Mercedes commercial is that as the car is traveling down the road, um, the engineers are preparing it for the future. And so uh, I think that industry, or I think our industry is exactly doing that um, however they can, uh, really kind of keeping lights on, but preparing for the future. And to your point, maybe one of the other things that we're going to talk about is uh, uncertainty, preparing for uncertainty, mm-hmm. but still um, doing the innovation uh, that is necessary to kind of be ready for the next chapter. Thank you very much, Clint. Pleasure to have you on board. And now let's go to Lars Olson at SAP. Lars, you're also a newcomer to Game Changers. Please tell us who you are. Thank Thank you very much, Bonnie. My name is Lars Olson. I'm in Solution Management for Digital Supply Chain at SAP, Uh, specifically responsible for SAP's digital twin strategy from design to operate and dealing mostly with discrete manufacturers in their their transformations to an all-digital platform and, and a strategy to how to basically gather all the information from a digital twin perspective 
how it applies both from a visual perspective, uh, reuse of CAD data all the way down through the design to operate business processes, and then ultimately getting insights to that business information from a visual perspective. So I think uh, this week what I really gathered uh, a lot of insight into is really the connected car is big for me specifically because now we can deliver model-based enterprise, meaning using the original design data and repurposing it down into service and operations so that everybody has a 360-degree view of the business data, the predictive information coming from the sensors, all applied back to the visualization of the actual car. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this is a very important part for everybody moving forward. If we're gathering all this information from these autonomous vehicles or the vehicles themselves, how do we interpret and how do we gain the insights to that data in real time? I think that's a really big topic here, and I look forward to having all the other opinions uh, on those uh, topics today. Thank you, Lars. And let me just bring up one other thing that's come up on some previous shows, and Bill might have been on some of those episodes, the question of who owns the data that comes from the car Who gets to use it? Who gets to have the issues of whose privacy? Is it private data? Does it become the manufacturer's? Does it become, if somebody leases a car, does it become the leasing? Any quick thoughts on that privacy and data ownership issue, Lars? Uh, I think it's a very good point, right? How much insight do you want to have feeding back to either the OEM or the service provider? Um, I think it depends on the value you can actually generate it to the end user, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's ultimately the end user is going to control which data is going to be repurposed in what way. Um, I would hope it's that way for sure. But I absolutely believe that uh, if they're taking non-personal data for bettering their product, I think that is a valuable uh, way to use the data um, as long as they're not intending on people's privacy. Excellent point. We'll get around the table on that one. Thank you to my four panelists for your great introductions. By the way, if I sound different, I switched over to my usual tie-line headset. We're back in business here, so thank you for your patience. So we don't have opening quotes from my panelists today because we really want to dive into the action at Best Practices for Auto, which is the SAP conference now in the Big D. So let's start with our first topic. I understand uh, I've had a whisperer in my ear before the show, Judy Cubis at SAP who, with Bill Newman, helped put the show together. And Judy is the sponsor of the series. So hello to Judy. I know you're there somewhere. Um, I heard, uh, Bill, let's start with you. We'll go around the table, about two and a half minutes each, that there's some controversy over the continued focus on what we call CASE. And I'll spell that out for our listeners. C in the word CASE, C-A-S-E. C is for connected. We know that's a fact. A is for autonomous coming into being. S is shared. We talk about the sharing economy. Let's apply it to cars. And E electrified, a lot of electric cars on the road and plugged in somewhere in between. So, Bill, why don't you start off with the industry focus on case. You can define it a little differently if you want than how I did and tell us what's the controversy about it and is that a good thing or not. And then we'll go around the table and see what everybody else has to say. Go ahead, Bill Newman. Yeah, sure, Bonnie. Thanks. Um, so for those listeners uh, who the acronym might be new for, so Connected Autonomous Shared Electric, uh, some people use the expression ACEs. Um, mm. It all means the same thing. So I think, I think there's a couple of things that are happening. So first of all, um, not, every, not every market is rushing to adopt the whole stock conversion of the auto fleet from 
you know, the industrial or the internal combustion engine to, to the battery electric vehicle. There's definitely a shift in that motion, and European Union and China in particular are, are leading in, in that market space for new products. But it's still going to remain a very small percentage of, of the fleet. And I think here in North America, where we have over the last 10, 20 years discovered an abundance of fossil fuel reserves, and we do um, ICE technology very, very well in, mm-hmm. in our um, current generation of powertrains, uh, I, I think the, the, uh, the movement towards the wholesale elimination of, of, of gas-powered vehicles is is probably further off than we thought it was going to be. So that's one point. I guess the other point is more the behavior uh, adoption. You know, we have all the technology to make connected vehicles work. And in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, um, Daimler truck here in the United States started uh, operating in uh, in Virginia uh, with their new uh, you know, class eight heavy vehicle autonomous fleet. And, you know, we've We've talked on the program. How do you feel about that when you're going down I-80 in the middle of Colabraska and you see a platoon of heavy trucks and there's no drivers? So there's there's a lot of regulation that still needs to happen, uh, particularly in North America. But um, that is that's trailing, and there are actually, as we've mentioned on the show, there are some things that are lining up in in different uh, governing bodies uh, legislatively uh, and, regu- and based on regulatory uh, concerns. Um, so basically, the technology is ahead of society right now. So that's another impediment, if you will. Um, I guess I would finally just comment that there have been some uh, personal security issues with some of the rideshare services. Um, we also mentioned that uh, you know who who owns the information when you're actually sitting in a vehicle and you're ride sharing, yeah. and maybe you're connecting on the vehicles, you know, Wi-Fi or you know, five um, G in the future. So those things are also kind of muddied. Those are some of the, I guess, kind of the yellow lights that we've heard uh, coming into this week and uh, here at BP Ferrato. Thank you very much. Good start to this part of our conversation. Mike Lackovic at Capgemini. Talk to me. Yeah, I'm going to build off of a comment, uh, Bill, fantastic summary, a comment that Bill made around, you know, kind of our, our technology is ahead of maybe society. I, I would also add to that some of our, uh, you know, influences, uh, government influences and other may also be ahead of where, you know, adoption might be. I, uh, I was with Auto News Europe a couple of weeks ago having this conversation, and you, know, you can see there's heavy influences from, uh, you know, the ambition to move away, move, move towards electrification and away from combustion fuels uh, there is an interest in having more efficient traffic management through, you know, connected and autonomous. So I think as, as general society, we have these very significant aspirations. Uh, everyone certainly has their own opinion on, on you know, those aspirations. But, but I think we can agree uh, that we certainly have these ambitions. And we are starting to achieve the technological advancement to, uh, to actually achieve that and capture that. Uh, automated uh, traffic management, last mile, can you, can you actually reduce traffic accidents? Can you make uh, more efficient uh, just driving to work, uh, which would mm-hmm. also therefore you know, save, save fuel? And, and I think what we see is, is this maturing, if you think of a general hype cycle, say even use the Gartner hype cycle, we're starting to see that maturation of the idea uh, as we test these theories, as we expose some of the challenges 
And, uh, and I think those are, there's a healthy evolution to say we're starting to understand where uh, we can be successful and, and how quickly. And, and where are we really going to have some longer-term challenges uh, with, you know, either, soci- either societal norms and adoption or whether it's privacy. Um, but I think as, as an industry, the more we start to expose those, uh, the more empowered we'll be to address them. Uh, and so I think some of the chatter we hear uh, is that while CASE is certainly the overarching sort of emphasis and aspirational goal, uh, we also hear the chatter saying, well, you know, combustion engines we saw are projected to be, you know, still 90% of the market for another 10, 15, 20 years. Hmm. So while we're rushing, are we rushing to electrification? Uh, and, and so you see this, and, and, I, and I think, again, come back to our topic for today, the influence of that, uh, the influence of that exploration is really, you know, sort of an influence back to our customers to say, okay, well, again, where are we going to put our money? Where are we going to innovate? Uh, and, and, and how are we going to explore that? And some of the dynamics that we see, uh, I was just having a conversation with uh, a gentleman from Fresia uh, uh, a couple hours ago, and, you know, the conversation was really around one of the techniques is we see a lot of partnerships uh, that, mm-hmm. that not every company has uh, or is willing maybe to invest the amount of money that requires uh, or, or even, quite frankly, the technology may not be there. And so we see these coopetition-type partnerships. We see joint ventures occurring. We even see just the industry collaboration increasing where people get to explore these ideas. Uh, and, and I think, again, it's, it's very healthy for, for this industry. So to your professor's comment, uh, that's what makes, for us, this industry so, uh, so interesting and dynamic right now. Glad to hear that. And interesting, you talked about the competition. Uh, one of my Game Changers radio series a week or two ago, Mike, you know, I do about 200 of these a year, and after a while, the topics blend, but I love them all, as Bill knows. But the, the topic was uh, new partnership models for businesses that you can have your, as I mentioned, the opening of your core competencies, but you want to get into an innovation that you either don't have the capital for, you don't have the personnel for, and then you find either startups or other companies, and they might be very unlikely likely partnerships, but companies get together and say, hey, what's our shared goal, our shared mission? What can we do to come together for this particular purpose? And then they create something new in that unusual or unexpected partnership. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Really good point. Thank so Bonnie, you. Let's On that yeah, point, ahead. Bonnie, I, just a yeah. quick shout out to all of our Detroit friends. The automotive industry sometimes has a uh, you know, sort of a legacy reputation uh, and, and I will tell you that that's not the case anymore. Uh, the automotive industry is mm-hmm. as innovative as any industry that's out there. And I would take all of our OEs and all of our suppliers up against any other industry any day. Uh, so even in the business models, we're starting to innovate. So a uh, source of pride for all four of us on the phone this morning. <laughs> well, I thought that the financial, the C, office of the CFO was the industry that's lagging behind on innovation and getting off the dime and getting away from spreadsheets, but I digress. That's what they were supposed to do. So I'm glad you have defended the automotive industry, Mike Lackovis. It's very important. Clint Crook, join us, please. Thoughts on the first topic case, uh, any way you want to spell it, any acronym you want to use, and thoughts on what Bill <laughs> and Mike have already shared. Go ahead, Clint. No, exactly, and it, 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 I think it's the the, the kind of uh, cart before the horse a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. so, to your point is is case 
still around or is Case still alive? And to the bill and Mike's point, um, uh, it also the industry also calls it ACEs, right? Or if you're in the, uh, the European Union, it's really more of a SAE V or like a shared autonomous electric vehicles. So those mm-hmm. three kind of um, pillars, if you will, are kind of guiding our our R and D, our innovation, our discussions for competition, right? I think in the idea that um, where you have um, tier one suppliers, you know, uh, large tier one suppliers that morph themselves from a seeding company to become a shared services and or an electric um, uh, electric provider of innovation, like a Lear or a Farisha, right? Um, those are, they're answering the call of their OE partners. For instance, Volvo, right? Zero crashes, zero emissions, uh, and GM has kind of gone along the, the way of that as well. But the tier ones are answering those business um, specific um, uh, ideas that they're being challenged with. For instance, uh, um, bringing a uh, monitoring a heartbeat through a seat. So if uh, a min-max level of a heartbeat uh, goes above or below a certain threshold, um, the car goes into uh, an automated shutdown or slow um, and pulls off to the side of the road to help, um, and then it calls 911 to um, have uh, assistance to what we believe would be a heart attack uh, solution. Um, you know, those solutions didn't exist or didn't, you know, were around even two years ago, five years ago, and now we're, we're understanding what are the needs of the driver, what are the needs of the, of the uh, occupants in the vehicle, and it's changing our industry for better um, uh, to be more, um, you know, uh, cohesive of uh, the, the, the occupant's needs. Um, I think those are great innovations, and it just makes our industry stronger. Interesting, Clint, you brought that up. Who could have even imagined it, Clint? Who would even have said, we can have sensors in the car that will know when a driver is becoming <laughs> physically or, or cognitively disabled and take that car safely off the road? Who, who would have right, listened exactly. to somebody? Yeah. Am I right? right. Who would have? <laughs> no, Exactly. And or, or, you know, our good friends over at ZF, right? Uh, they're a multinational tier one supplier. They're analyzing with machine learning and AI literally petabytes of video data that they're taking off the vehicles or test vehicles on a daily basis, if not a weekly basis. And so to, to analyze that information, um, the computing power adults alone, uh, you know, would, it just didn't exist two years ago. And so technology as an enabler to solve these business kind of uh, scenarios, if you will, or occupant scenarios, is finally providing value to them. Thank you. I, I, interesting. I'm posting a tweet about what we're talking about, and I'm using the hashtags yeah. at, at hashtag SAP Radio and hashtag BP for Auto. And I was looking for some photos while you were speaking, Clint, and I found one from, I use Unsplash, which is a service for free photography you can use in tweets and other posts. And this is a, a lighted backlit sign that says in great big letters, change. And I think, I think that's very appropriate for <laughs> yeah. our conversation today. Lars Olson, you've been so patient. Let's get to you, Lars. We're still on the, the case of case or any way you want to spell it, anything you want to talk about that. So, Lars, join us. Thoughts on this part of our topic today, please. Thanks again. I think Tom Rafferty did a very good job in, today, in yesterday's keynote talking about mm-hmm. case. And I really uh, agreed on one of many of his points, specifically connectivity um, and predictability, right? So with these connected smart products and, and cars to be succinct, right, 
is the opportunity to predict, right? So you're getting all the sensor data, and we know that spare parts is a big part of an OEM's uh, value proposition and the way to generate more income. And I think it's an opportunity for the OEMs, really, by making the cars connected, having the predictive insights, being able to supply the information to the end user um, to say, hey, your taillight's about to fail or whatever mm-hmm. your washer is on the blink, uh, windshield washer, is a huge opportunity that, that needs to be taken advantage of. If you're gathering all this information from the sensors, it creates the opportunity for the new business models. So I, and we know that the uh, spare parts industry is going to grow about 6% year over year to about $20.3 billion from 2019 to 2023. And I think this could be exploited by the connectivity portion of case. Uh, the other point that um, was made was the electrification, right? So coming from California, I bought an electric car because I have to talk about mechatronic, you know, systems, uh, cars, mm-hmm. planes, automobiles, and whatnot. Um, and having owned an electric car over the last year or so, um, it's by far the way to go. Uh, it's just a cut to the chase. Everything about it is better than my ICE car. I'll be buying a big truck electrical probably in the next five years. The towing capacity will be amazing. So I'm on board 100% with that as well. I agree with the other colleagues here that the autonomous factor, even though my car can drive itself pretty darn good, um, mm-hmm. it's scary to think about semis in the train going, you know, 65 miles an hour, and do you trust it? Um, um, the sharing portion, really subscription-based models, I think in, in the idea of having networks, um, if you get a spare part, maybe you don't go to the service dealer. Maybe there's uh, a mechanic in your area, uh, and mm-hmm. through the connectivity, you can actually install that part. They get good ratings through the connectivity. Um, if, you don't, if you're not a do-it-yourselfer, um, another opportunity for building a network of mechanics in your, in your local neighborhood that can do that repair rather than having drive you know, hundreds of miles to a service area, for example. So I think there's a lot of validity to case. Um, I just think the OEMs need to embrace it and really go after the, the business opportunities that it's going to present to those OEMs and the Tier 1, Tier 2 manufacturers for that part. Thank you very much. I just have a news bulletin to mention here. Uh, somebody I follow on Twitter, and she's very much into innovation in a number of industries, and she just posted, Russia's self-driving taxi service, Yandex, arrives in Las Vegas. So add... Lars, to self-driving autonomous trucks and cars and taxis. So how fun is it going to be on the road at any time in the next five to ten years? I don't know if I want to leave home at that point. Let's move around the table. We have two more topics. I'm going to combine. We have actually four more topics to cover, but we are now at 34 after. We're not going to take a break because we have so much to talk about. If you're just tuning in, this is the Future of Cars with Game Changers, a special edition live from BP for Auto. That's Best Practices for Automotive Conference sponsored by SAP. And I have four experts who have graciously taken time out of their very busy day at the conference to join us. We have Bill Newman at SAP. We have Mike Latkovic at Capgemini. 
Clint Crook at Accenture and Lars Olson at SAP. And a shout out to Judy Kubis at SAP and Bill Newman for helping to put this panel together. Thank you both. Uh, Bill, with your permission, I'd like to combine topics two and three, dealing with uncertainty. I'd like to combine that with balancing innovation and optimization. In my mind, outside of the industry, obviously, those can be put together. You're balancing innovation with optimization. What do you do about your processes now? How do you innovate? We talked about competition, partnerships, putting things together in an unlikely or unforeseen way in the past, coming up with new things to keep the industry going, thriving, profitable, and isn't there uncertainty built into that? So, Bill, are you okay combining those? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. You start it off. Let's keep this to two minutes apiece because we have Bill Newman's favorite topic, talking about machine learning, AI, and predictive, and blockchain, and we've got to have time left over for that. So, Bill, why don't you give me two minutes on innovation, optimization, uncertainty. We'll go around the table, Mike, then Clinton, then Lars, and then we'll come to our leveraging the technologies. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, it sounds good. So without getting into the technology piece, I think if you just take a step back and look what businesses have to do right now, they have to they have to manage their current processes while they're still innovating. And we call this the shift from mode one um, manufacturing and operations to mode two. Um, from that perspective, you, you have to really drive down your operational efficiencies and, and create a lot of profit margin, um, free up working capital, free cash flow. Um, those are the types of things that the traditional car vehicle makers have always focused on. It's just at a much more uh, heightened hypersensitivity now because, you know, your margins are, are you know, regardless of what your view is in terms of the time time horizon on new technologies entering the, the fleet and the marketplace, you still have to uh, to put your investment dollars that way. And that's why you've seen you know, big companies like General Motors, you know, elect at a strategic level not to be the largest car maker in the world and rather be the most profitable car maker in, in, in it while investing in these new areas is just one example. Um, so there's different operating models and processes. The, the risks and uncertainties that come along with it that we've seen, you know, everything from the UAW strike with GM because they were the uh, – uh, the first, the first car company to go through the bargaining um, discussion, as well as the the tariffs and trades that we've uh, disputes that we've seen on the show, uh, create a real need for agility and being able to, as again leveraging, you know, looking ahead, looking at in this discussion, leveraging some of those new technologies to create lights out processes so that they're touch free. Uh, but still with a very heightened level of accuracy, and uh, so that humans, like those of us on the call and your listeners, can actually do higher value-added work is, is something that you're really going to see moving forward. So it's all in the soup together, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's really what, what companies are struggling with in terms of, of pushing their, their, uh, their goals forward. Thank you, Bill. Let's move on to Mike Lakovic. Mike, uncertainty, innovation, optimization. They all start with vowels. We're going through the, yes, Vanna, I'll take a vowel. So go ahead, Mike. What do you think? <laughs> I had to make you laugh. Go. Uh, well, thank you, Vanna. Couldn't agree more with, with Bill's comment. I, you know, there is this, uh, the juxtaposition of innovation, and, and I think we just, you know, spent 34 minutes talking about that pragmatically, a lot of our, uh, you know, the industry is, is sort of also preparing to consume that change themselves. And there is uh, certainly a priority 
on establishing standard processes, which we've, we've seen here this week at BP for Auto. Uh, there is a heavy emphasis on uh, exposing our differentiators, what makes us great, and let's, let's burn our calories on those areas, areas that we know can be standardized. Uh, we're, we're really starting to see a, uh, dare I say, a, an overwhelming adoption of the idea that there are typical business processes that we can kind of rally around so that we can focus on those things that make us different and make us interesting, all in this concept of preparing for the volume of change that ultimately we're going to have to consume. Uh, and that has been a, a pretty healthy topic at BP for Auto and a consistent theme over the past few years, and we assume that's going to continue as well. Uh, so that, we'll say, the internal stuff, the back office stuff, uh, we're going to standardize. Uh, we're going to focus on the things that make us great. Having said that, that also then allows us really to free up. Bill, I love that you called out uh, you know, cash flow uh, and working capital. It allows us to continue that notion of optimization. Uh, so we've seen, you know, examples of, you know, uh, my, my friends and colleagues, uh, some of NCAT from Cooper Standard, Steve Carrington at Panasonic Automotive, you know, they're passionate advocates to say IT, technology, ERP, these are enablers uh, to open up the business so that the business can go do what they need to get done. Uh, and, and we're going to continue to support them in that endeavor. Uh, and that's all occurring while we're also trying to figure out that whole prior topic around case and the data and where it comes from. Thank you. Let's move on. Clint Crook, Accenture, your turn. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, um, uh, innovation optimization is just a key, key area um, for our industry. Um, and one of the, the salient points around that is um, a, 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 a conference that maybe not very many people know about called Ecomotion, right? And the reason why I bring this up, Bonnie, is that um, Bill Ford was the keynote of this little kind of known um, security system, not security system, security event in Israel, in Tel Aviv. And mm -hmm. arguably, it's the who's who of automotive uh, elite now, now attends this. And so there's, you know, always, there's the NIAS Auto Show, there's CES, there's a couple other supporting events that are important to see, uh, maybe like CAR, MBS, and Traverse City. But now security, we're finding that security is becoming an ever-present um, topic that cannot be uh, ignored. And so um, to have a, a leader of one of the, you know, the, the big three here in Detroit uh, be the keynote of a security conference half a world away tells you that innovation and security and innovative security of how to, um, uh, as Mike mentioned before and Lars, predictive analysis of maybe a car that's being hacked or vital signs of a car that is being threatened by um, uh, bad influences, if you will, for hackers or maybe a whole car fleet or uh, different things, scenarios like that, not talked about last year, two years ago, but now it draws the attention of one of our biggest leaders, Bill Ford. Thank you. Lars Olson, you're up. Thoughts, please. Yeah, so when we talk about uncertainty, you know, innovation and optimization and the data quality behind all those things, Really, we're talking about the digital twin of the unique car that each one of us owns via VIN number, right? And really, what's, what I see happening in the industry here is a shift towards a model-based enterprise 
taken from the aerospace uh, and defense industry where you're using the design data as the record of truth and then attaching the business data to that 3D visualization, right? And that gives you the context for all things business downstream. And I think this is where the, the industry needs to go and, and, and basically support this whole concept of a model-based enterprise where you use the design data, the manufacturing information, the quality information, right, to get insights to optimize the, the actual manufacturing of vehicles in a way that reduces paper. And right now, too many of our business processes still rely on, on paper where it could be all autom- uh, you know, automatically synchronized. I think synchronization of the data is a key aspect. People are talking about the digital twin and the digital thread, but it's really it's not a matter of actually accumulating the data. It's actually making sure that you can trust the data that's been synchronized, really, over the life cycle of the vehicle. Um, and I think... I think the automotive industry is a prime example of discrete manufacturing that has the opportunity to really push forward on the digital twin, a model-based enterprise. And I think it's just for those companies that are, have a strong digital twin strategy, I think there's a huge opportunity for them to optimize their business processes and see significant business outcomes if they do so. Thank you very much. Good around the table. We've got one more topic, and Bill, again, I'm combining four and five. Automation. So we'll talk about machine learning, AI, predictive, and blockchain-enabled processes. Bill Newman, I'll let you start this section. We've got 13 minutes till the end of the show. I have four panelists, so if we could keep it to about two, two and a half minutes apiece, gentlemen, then we'll have time for a quick crystal ball prediction at the end, which I would love to do. So, Bill Newman, you're up. Machine learning, AI, predictive, and blockchain. Talk to me. Well, Bonnie, blockchain-enabled processes are probably going to generate over $3 trillion in value globally in the next 30 years, according to Singularity University. So you you really have to look at all the different technologies that you're going to consider moving forward. And, and if you're going to particularly operate in an environment where you've got a very high level of central control in a, in a large system or institution, so banking, but also uh, perhaps some uh, more authoritarian type of um, uh, business and sociopolitical climates that are that are operating now. Uh, blockchain is great because it's very private and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's decentralized, and you can do a lot of supply chain planning and execution and traceability. So foods, pharmaceuticals, even where auto parts are coming in and out of different trade areas. So that's that's a real uh, potential there, particularly as as more and more business environments are very heterogeneous. Uh, I think a comment just on AI to get everybody kind of kickstarted is that we've been we've been with artificial intelligence for a long time, and I'll just share with everybody the old joke that the new joke that's going around that AI is easy and AV audiovisual is difficult. So we've been seeing some of that. <laughs> we've been seeing some of that this week. Um, at the conference. It's just kind of a, a, a funny oxymoron. But, you know, we've had AI since the 50s with the early days of computers, and people forget that a lot of some of the ADOS and, um, you know, driver-enabled uh, experiences in the vehicle really do already rely on um, some early-stage AI. Now, where does it go next so that you know, AI is not only creating lights out processes, but it's starting to go more into 
uh, creative AI so that artificial intelligence and machine learning creates art on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would make my daughter, who's a graphic designer, a little nervous, but we've already mm-hmm. talked about driverless trucks running down the highways. Yep. You know, and, it, and eventually AI will create the next generation of AI. So then you've, you know, you've got people who worry about you know, Skynet scenarios. But uh, at the end of the day, AI is a tool and it should be governed by humans and, and dedicated for a specific purpose or set of purposes. And where we go with that next is, is going to be quite fascinating. It's all fascinating. Thank you, Bill. And so are you. And let's move to Mike Lack. You're all fascinating. Mike, what do you think about these enabling technologies, machine learning, AI, predictive processes, and blockchain-enabled processes in automotive? Go ahead, Mike. Well, I think they're, they're different life stages. Um, so we, we sometimes combine them. But now I'll say blockchain, there's some very early adoption People are still exploring exactly what it is and, and, and what can I do with it. Um, some, I have some, seen some, I think we probably all, you know, keep up with the news. Um, some companies are saying it is the next big thing and they're, and they're making those investments. But uh, from our perspective and from what I just personally see, there's still a lot of, we'll say, early exploration on that. All of the technology seems to be very, very promising, uh, particularly when we think about connected cars and, and privacy issues and how can we, uh, you know, address some of those, some of those things. Um, I, I will say on the, on the machine learning side, we see certainly, I think, more traction. And in particular, in key use cases around cost reduction, level of automation, uh, and, and within the plants and otherwise. And I think you, you, you really do see some traction there. And there have been some great industry case studies uh, of, of some both early adoption, but also some really promising returns uh, on machine learning. Uh, so that, in, in, in our perspective, is a little bit more mature than, say, blockchain. And we'll touch on artificial intelligence. I, I kind of break AI into a number of different, we'll call it subcomponents. Maybe on the consumer or the in-vehicle in side, you know, you've, we all see the same trends. I think there's companies exploring, potentially putting the series of the world or the Alexas uh, into the vehicle. Other OEs want to maintain that customer experience, so they'll develop their own uh, human language uh, interface. Uh, I have I, I have voice recognition in my vehicle, uh, but I had to learn the language of that vehicle rather than that vehicle learning my language. Uh, and so, you know, the AI, if I could extrapolate the concept of AI a bit, uh, certainly we're moving in that direction. Uh, and I and, and from a customer or in vehicle experience, uh, I think there's a lot of promise, a lot of potential that we 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 want to try to extrapolate from that. Um, AI in, in the house, in terms of uh, inside of, uh, you know, the, the, the company manufacturing, uh, things of that nature. You know, I saw something last year that was really kind of interesting. It attended a symposium on the, on the future of product development, and, and it was really uh, around the, the artificial intelligence designing our components and products for us. And, you know, can we define a set of requirements and let the computer take over from there? Uh, obviously, a very heady conversation, but you know, this is where our heads are these days. How much automation? How much can we turn over the computer? And, and I'll, you know, I'll reflect on Bill's comment with the concept of humans still with our hands. Uh, pardon the cliche uh, on the on the steering wheel. I think we're still going to see that. I don't see us turning things over uh, to uh, you know to artificial intelligence anytime soon. I don't see that traction. No, I think Bill, Bill reflected that. 
uh, interested to hear what my colleagues have to say as well. Thank you very much. Good to know. Who's next around the table? Clint Crook. Hey, Bonnie, this is Clint. Accenture. Yep. You're hey, up Bonnie. next, Clint. What do you yeah, say about these these leveraging these exciting innovations, these technologies? Every industry is using them, but how is automotive going to benefit from them? Yeah, I think it's like, to my point earlier, I think it's an exciting time. The reason why it is because we have all these different technology enablers um, uh, brought to us by new up-and-coming um, startups uh, and some of the old traditional ones as well. But one of the things that uh, I've, my takeaway here at BP Auto for um, with SAP um, is RPA, Robotic Process Automation. Mm-hmm. One of the key takeaways from uh, the, the, the event today and tomorrow, yesterday, I should say, is that this is a huge um, area that OEMs are doing right now. One of the OEMs uh, uh, spoke today. They have over 250 RPA processes already running within their four walls of their organization. It uh, saved them, you know, literally several billion dollars of the B in um, just, uh, you know, small tasks that, uh, manual tasks that can be automated. Um, I think that's just revolutionizing an opportunity that could, you know, propel us uh, uh, five, ten years down the road in inefficiencies. Um, and creating uh, new opportunities, new business cases. In regard to AI, um, one of my manufacturing customers is using AI right now. That was uh, something I helped them out with five years ago, um, doing min-max levels within manufacturing to understand when their secret sauce um, manufacturing process was uh, at, at a critical point uh, to where they couldn't uh, make their product anymore. And so it's it's based on business case or business use case scenarios with each individual customer, um, as I think Mike mentioned, it will only be, um, you know, it, it, it has to be with that particular customer uh, and if they see value in it or not. Thank you very much. Good around the table. Bill, uh, I have about three and a half minutes till the end of the show. So, Bill, since you wrote the, the paper, the blog, on part of what we've talked about today, is there anything quickly you want to add before I go around the table and do a quick lightning round of crystal ball? Bill Newman, anything that we didn't cover that you thought was important for this show? No, just a, a closing, maybe just a closing thought on that. I, I think uh, as, as Mike and, and Clint has, have both stated as well, I think every company is going to have to figure out their own journey. And, and one of the themes that we heard from this morning's keynote was regardless of what technology you're using or how you're trying to transform your business into, you know, from current state to future state and the new, the new lineup of vehicles in that case, you know, you, you have to do it with a strategy in mind. You know, you can't be knee-jerk reacting. You can't keep doing science projects. I uh, heard a great expression yesterday from, uh, from the speaker from, from academia, rather than failing fast, let's learn quickly um, mm-hmm. so that we can monetize and commercialize what we learn effectively and with great you know, speed, time, time to value. So um, I guess that would just be my, my parting you know, words. And if I had my one nugget to toss on to this conversation okay. as we wrap up, that would be what I would leave your Thank listeners you. with. And now it's time for the crystal ball. I have a question for all of you. Let's fast forward. It's now we're on the verge, on the the lip almost of 2020. We've been hearing about it. I still have that earworm from Barbara Walters. 2020. I know, I know. So she wasn't talking about the year, talking about something else, but it's still there. So what I want to know is by 2025, 
Will each of you still be driving your own car if you're still driving it now? Or what will you be driving for or what using for your main mode of transportation? So let's just do a really fast 20 seconds each. Bill Newman, you're up. Go. Oh, heck yes. Um, it may, it may be a hybrid. It may be an electric vehicle, but I, I still enjoy, I still enjoy driving. And even though the, the, the back seat passenger experience, if you will, will, will gain in, in interest, particularly with vehicles that we use for large scale public transit, I think there's still going to be a significant size of the fleet that's going to be built for the driver. So I'm look I I'm looking forward to that. I thank you. I, I am Let, less I, I'm less alarmist than I was maybe a year or two ago. Good to know. Mike Lactivic, will you still be driving your own car or what will you be driving in by twenty twenty five? Mike? By twenty twenty five, absolutely. It'll be the same car I have today. I'm going to squeeze every dime I can get out of it because it, <laughs> <laughs> his cars are expensive. My daughter, however, my daughter, however, uh, at 16 is not interested in, in, in getting a license is not a priority. So the next generation is going to be very interesting to see what happens. Sure will. Clint Crook, Accenture, driving yep. your own car 2025 or not? Talk fast. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, I'm a car enthusiast, but I would I will uh, welcome the opportunity to do more technologies like GM Super Cruise. Thank you, Lars Olson. Quick yes or no? Your own car? Yes, I'll be yes I'll be driving an electric van. Okay, that was brief and to the point. Well, Bill knows I drive a 370Z, and it's fabulous. It's got a red rag top, and it's pearl white, and it just suits me because I'm radio red. And I'm going to, as somebody said, I think, Clint, I'm going to squeeze every dime I can out of that car because it does great at 80 on I-40 here in Durham, North Carolina, but we won't talk about that part. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I have a great call to action here. Oh, my goodness. Let me see if I can find it. My call to action, Bill, for this show is so important. I use it on all the Game Changer show, but it just fits this one. So I don't think two of our panelists have heard it, but I want to tell you what it is. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. Could it be any better for a show on cars, on automotive? What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today, just like Bill Newman at SAP. Thank you, Bill. Just like Mike Lakovic at Cap Gemini. Come back anytime. Clint Crook at Accenture. So nice to meet you. Please come back. And Lars, also, what a pleasure as well. Shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.